Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Last week we learned about the hopelessness that is really all around our, our country. Uh, it is, it is a, a thing that's rising. And so, in fact, some people have called it a public health crisis the matter of hopelessness, and certainly you've run into them at work, even as we've preached about this, perhaps uh, this week you were more attuned to that reality, maybe in a neighbor's life, maybe in a family member's life, I just don't know how I can go on, maybe they say, I, I'm just through with it, I'm done, I, I just want to give up, maybe those types of statements that you've heard even this week, and so uh, you, you've seen it, and perhaps even in your own life, you've, you've said some of that perhaps in your heart, uh, in your mind, you thought through it. Do I really have to go on? I, I don't see a way through in that hopelessness that creeps up in our hearts. The one thing that's encouraging is that the Bible is written for our instruction, our admonition, and even our example. David is given as a wonderful example of a man after God's own heart, God's statement about him, yet we read his Psalms and we realize this man went through ups and downs. As Brother Shane read this morning, Psalm chapter 3, that's when David was going through his, uh, his trial with Absalom and his son. He was exiled from Jerusalem. Many believe that chapter 42 and chapter 43 dovetail in with that, that, um, that particular issue where he was running from Absalom and Absalom was wanting his father's life. A terrible time of betrayal. And so we realize that, that David was overwhelmed by all sorts of uncertainty, all sorts of worry about by betrayal and threats and, the, and just kind of the noise, the endless, the clamor of his enemies. The, they're constantly nipping at him, biting at him and saying, where is your God? And, and mocking him in that way. And even as he cries, his own heart is beginning to ask, where is thy God? And he's struggling with these matters. And so we opened up Psalm 42 and we realized that David was thirsty for God. He's away from the presence of God in the sense that he was away from Jerusalem and away from being able to gather with God's people and worship God. And he's just thirsty. God, I'm longing for you. I, I want you like a deer pants after a water brook and is thirsty for that, that nourishing cool water. I am thirsty for your presence. I want you. I hope that's where we always are. There's a sense where we always ought to be thirsting for God, yet in God, we find full satisfaction. John 7, um, 37, Jesus said, if you come and drink of me, you're not going to thirst again, he told the woman at the well. So there's, there's kind of a balance there. It's almost like we're always to be thirsting and, and pursuing after God, yet in finding him, we find our, our thirst quenched. But David was thirsting for God. He's longing for an interaction with God, not just to go to the temple, not just to be with God's people, but actually an interaction with God, a conversation with God where he's actually relating with God. We ought to banish and, and really just, we, we want to apart from any type of religiosity that just goes through the motions but doesn't actually have interaction with God. Would you agree with me? It's not enough just to sit in this room. We want interaction with God. It's not enough just to open your Bible in the morning. We want interaction with God. We want to know God spoke to me through his word. 
That's what you're looking for in your, your daily Bible reading. Not just to read 15 minutes. You're looking for God to say, that's for you. And I hope that you will. I hope that you'll not get overwhelmed by, um, by reading through the Bible and, and well, I just got to get through these, these, uh, these verses. I got to read 190 words a minute to get through it in 15 minutes. No, I'm looking for that moment where God says, my child, this is my message for today. Carry this into the day. Meditate on it. Share it with others. Think on it. So look for that. I always seek to look for one thing one truth that'll help me in the day. And I encourage you to do the same. David's looking for that interaction. Although, while he's looking for that, he does struggle to think back to the past when he used to have better interaction with God or uh, satisfying interaction with God back to the good old days. And he lived in the past by asking a lot of questions. Why can't we just go back there? Friends, we can't go back. We have to live this day that God has given us. And as he comes to verse number five in chapter, 43, uh, chapter 42, we begin to have this, this refrain started. Why art thou cast down? Why art thou troubled within me? Why is your heart troubled? Hope thou in God. Hope thou in God. He's your help. He is the help of his countenance. His presence gives you help. And he begins to look for that help in God. And it's like David begins to preach to himself, David, hope in God. You're going to have to preach to yourself. Josiah, you put in your name, hope in God. In fact, uh, all together, you say your name and I'm preaching to yourself, hope in God, all right? Here we go, all together. All right, we can do it. All right, do you all got the drill now? Let's do that one more time. Uh, every voice working in the congregation, here we go. Yeah, you need to preach to yourself this week, and I do too. It is a choice. That hope is an imperative. It's a command. It means we have a choice in this matter. God is not going to just come and bop you or you're not going to come into a, a, a point in your Christian life where just hoping in God is just super easy. You're always going to have to make that choice. Wouldn't you agree with me? Always. Hoping in God. So he's coming to this point. He's preaching to himself. And so we go into the second part of the psalm and he's still troubled in his heart. He's saying, Lord, my heart is cast down. My heart is down and I can't get up without you. Like a cast sheep, I am down and I need your help. And he's lamenting there and he's loaded with more questions. He's just continuing to ask himself questions and there seems to be more questions and answers and he's struggling with all this. And then he comes again to this matter of David, hope in God. And so friends, if you ever feel like you're kind of on an emotional roller coaster back and forth and you keep coming back to the point, I need to trust God, I need to hope in God, you are in good company with a man after God's own heart who goes back and forth. Friends, sometimes I think we get down because we, we struggle in our emotions and we don't realize we have to capture those. Um, David even talks about that in another place in the, in, the, in the Psalms where we capture our heart, we capture our thought and go, hold on, let's pause, let's hope in God. Let's believe him, let's trust in him. And I encourage you to do the same. So he's troubled in his heart, what's the answer? Hope in God, hope in God. And he keeps coming back to this common refrain, this common message for himself over and over again, which leads us to today, part two that I want to bring. We didn't want to bring this all in one Sunday. We would have been here till one o'clock last Sunday. So let's dive back in and let's notice his trusting heart. He's developing a trusting heart in the Lord. That's where we're moving towards. That's what, that's what this emotional roller coaster ought to end up at. We ought to be struggling through 
preaching to ourselves, hope in God, but coming to this matter of a trusting, a trusting heart. Notice as we open up uh, Psalm 43, judge me, O God, and plead my cause. He's now asking God to do specific things for him. And first of all, he's trusting in God for this matter of deliverance, this matter of deliverance. In verses one through two, he's wanting God to deliver him. Lord, you see the enemies that are all around me. You see the enemies that are within my own heart and mind? Boy, isn't that a battle sometimes just right there? Our own minds, our own thoughts. And we're battling through those. You see all that, Lord, and I'm asking you to judge. And I'm asking you to plead my case. And I'm asking you to deliver me from deceitful men. And I'm asking you to be my strength. You're the one where my strength comes from. I need you to show up in this moment. In reality, David is asking God to be God. I want to connect this because this is a connected psalm in theme. Back in chapter 42 in verse number 5, I want you to look back with me. Chapter 42 in verse number 5, notice he says, hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help, the help of his countenance. The help of his presence is what the idea of countenance is, his whole person. We want God all in all, to be showing up in our lives. And I praise you, I will praise you for the help of your, of your countenance. Now this matter of help is his salvation. His salvation. Listen, David is now asking him in chapter 43, Lord, I want you to deliver me. I want you to save me. I want you to rescue me. I want you to do what you do. We can't look at other people and, and find true salvation. You can share your problems with another person and sometimes they just look at you like, I'm sorry you're going through that. You know, you, you kind of get that dead look like, oh man, that's awful. But they don't really understand and you, you walk away from that, I bore my heart. Have you ever been there? I bore my heart and it didn't seem like it made a difference. It wasn't because they didn't care, it's just they didn't get it. Maybe they hadn't been through it before. I was able and really enjoyed talking with a, a good many of the students. And uh, one of the students came up to me and, and talked to me about that very matter. Boy, I shared it. They shared it with me, and I had been through the same exact circumstance, and my wife and I had been through the same exact circumstance. They said it was just good to be heard. But sometimes you can't, you can't come to me. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I, I can hear. I can even understand. And maybe you can hear and understand, but you can't save like God can. You can't deliver like God can. And so David is saying, Lord, I want you to judge. I want you to plead. I want you to deliver. Be my salvation. But also notice in verse, chapter 42 and verse 11, notice the distinction here. He says, hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the, what is it? The health, the health of my countenance. We learned last week that that has to do with uh, Israel's God as Savior God, referring to who God is as the Savior, the one who does save. And again, very similar in his request, but David is asking God to be God. Be my Savior God. Be the one who saves my countenance. Be the one who saves me as a person who rescues me. Be my defender. Be my deliverer. And ultimately, ultimately, David looked forward to the Messiah who would be the deliverer, who would be the Savior, and his name would even bear that. And so he's praying the Lord, you be God, be God in my life. You need God to be God in your life. I can't be God in your life. 
You can't be God in my life, and we can't be God in one another's lives. We need God to be what he is in our lives. Now, notice here, David prays specifically, God, would you vindicate me? Would you judge me? We all want vindication. When we've been wrong, we all want vindication. Wouldn't you agree with that? We all want to be vindicated. We all want to be seen as in the right. And sometimes we pursue after that, and it can be kind of an endless pursuit, a wild goose chase, because you either end up wasting your life or making the problem worse. Doesn't the Bible tell us that we're to let God be the, the judge? We're to let God take care of matters. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. And when we get caught up in that, we're not in the right um, frame of mind. David is now in the right frame of mind. I can't go after all these enemies. God, you got to do it. I need you to vindicate me. There might be an enemy in your life. It might be a family member. It might be a person at work. It might be someone in your community. But there might be an enemy in your life. You need to finally submit it to the Lord and say, God, I am done chasing vindication. I'm giving it to you. Reality, that's what forgiveness is, is when we release somebody to the Lord and let the Lord deal with it. And I don't know about you, but I find myself having to, to release that several times. And when it comes back up, I have to release it again. How many of you agree with me? So we have, to, we have to stay on top of that. Why? Because we don't want bitterness to settle in. Now, if the Lord allows us to, to reconcile with that person and, and, and right relationship come back, praise the Lord. But it won't happen without that spirit of forgiveness, that, that releasing it to the Lord. God, you deal with it. You deal with that person. And they, they might have really hurt you. And it might be something even that involves legalities, legal consequences. They may have really hurt you. But friends, I still say, let God be the judge. That isn't saying scoot it under the rug. That's not saying that at all. But let God be the judge. Just like David is praying, Lord, you be the judge. There was a little girl I read about. Her name was uh, Nancy. And she was uh, in the garden in her backyard. Uh, she was filling in a, a hole. And her neighbor lady peeked over the fence and uh, uh, cried out to Nancy and said, Hey, um, what you doing there? She goes, Oh, it's, it's such a bad day. I, uh, my goldfish died. And uh, I was just burying it. And she says, Wow, that is a pretty big hole that you have there. That is a pretty big hole. She says, Yeah. Because that goldfish is inside your stupid cat. <laughs> Sometimes we can try to bring judgment ourselves, and it doesn't always work. Talk about starting a neighborhood war. But you and I don't do justice very well. God does. Didn't, didn't Abraham pray to the Lord when he was praying about Sodom and Gomorrah? that was incredibly wicked, didn't he pray to the Lord and say, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And when we, when we hold on to that need for vindication and, and we don't seek the Lord for it, it's like we're holding on saying, God, I, I don't know if I can trust you to take care of this matter. I don't know if I can trust you to make right how I've been wronged. David's praying, even as he's pushed out of, out of sight and away from the presence of the Lord and away from Jerusalem, he's saying, Lord, I'm trusting you to take care of my enemies. Notice how he says this. He says, plead my cause. I, I want you to be my lawyer. I want you to stand up for me. I want you to be my defender. I want you to deliver, recover what has been lost, and the Lord has the ability to do that. Did he not do that with Job? Did he not? 
And, and isn't it amazing that, that Job had God standing up for him? Hey, Satan, have you seen my servant Job? He, he fears me. He walks with me. He hates evil. Oh, yeah. If you take away your blessing, he'll curse you. No, but you can, you can try. I'll allow you. You can't take his life, but I'll allow you to try. And at the end of the day, after it was proven that he was loyal to the Lord and he loved the Lord, do you know God gave him back all that he had and more so? God is able to deliver and to recover what has been, what has been lost. And trusting in God for deliverance, trusting in God does not remove all the problems. It does not remove all the questions. In fact, look in verse number one. He says, deliver me, deliver me from, or plead my cause against an ungodly nation and deceitful and unjust men. Three different things there, an ungodly nation. Don't we live in one? So sad. But we're not the only ones in the world. An ungodly nation. So him praying and trusting the Lord to be his defender, to be the vindicator, did not take away the ungodly nation. Him praying in this way did not take away the deceitful man. The man that was using treachery and deceit and false, false statements, it didn't take away him. He didn't get shut up. He's not gone at this point. He is simply praying, Lord, you vindicate me against this person. And it didn't take care of the man that was unjust at this point. He is still praying and trusting the Lord. Listen, sometimes we pray and we say, well, God didn't do a good enough job, so I'll have to go back at it. We have to realize when we give it to the Lord, if we're truly trusting him, we will trust him even when the problem's not taken away. We can keep our eyes on him. What about the questions in in verse number two? If you look at it with me, thou art my God, why dost thou cast me off? Why do I go in mourning? Because of the oppression of my enemy. There's still questions. He's still wondering about why it seems that God has said, I don't care about you. I've forgotten about you. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever ask God that? Why why does it seem like I go on and you're just not there? So trusting in the Lord and praying in this way doesn't always take away the questions. Trusting in the Lord is putting our eyes on the one who is unchanging who never changes, and he's always the same. I'm reminded about this, the matter of deceitful men. The Bible, says, the Bible says those can happen without. They're certainly liars without, right? But friends, even in, even in a congregation, do you realize that the Bible says this in Acts 7, uh, 20, when Paul was encouraging the Ephesian elders, he says, you all beware. Yes, there's wolves without. There's people who want to bring down the people of God, trip up the people of God, injure them, no doubt. No doubt. But there also can rise from within men speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. We ought to always be on guard, but listen, we can't can't bring justice to the deceitful individual. Only God can. Do we all agree on that? And we have to trust him for that. And we have to be wise and we have to be submitted to the Lord. The best way for us to remain strong as a church family is to keep a trusting heart to the Lord for deliverance even when something's not right, even within our families or within our church family. Lord, we need your help with this. We need your deliverance. Wouldn't you agree? And keep that trusting heart, keep that submitted heart. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Oftentimes we as believers, well, if you give me this, 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 and this, oh, and oh yeah, this. 
then I'll trust you. No, that's not the type of trust that we're to have. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. I, I got to bring um, the Daniel series up to the college, and I'll also be bringing it. The Lord, the Lord allows you sometimes to prepare something and then realize, boy, this is going to help many different places. And so I'll be preaching the Daniel series, um, the first six chapters down in Uruguay as well, along with some other messages. But again, going through Daniel chapter number three, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the fiery furnace, and their resolve ahead of that, that fire was real. And they, uh, I'll, I'm just going to read the verses because it, it stood out to me once and again. Daniel 3.16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful, we're not anxious to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. All right, that's true. He's able to deliver us. That's true. Go on. And he will deliver us out of the Einhano king. Okay, praise the Lord. By the way, for you and I, even if we die as believers, even if we were martyred for the faith, it's still a deliverance into glory. Amen. Now, this is different from the, 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 the belief that is taught in the Quran that you're going to go there and you have all sorts of lustful pleasures. That's not what we're talking about. In his presence in heaven, there's nothing that enters into it that defiles. Read the end of, of, of Revelation 20. It is the most pure, blessed presence. And to be in his presence is going to be, well, joy unspeakable. Amen. Praise the Lord. But he goes on. So if you, uh, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. Some way he's going to. Verse 18. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. You talk about hope and trusting in the Lord no matter what. We're trusting him for deliverance, but if he doesn't deliver how we say so or how we want it to happen, we're still trusting him. We're still hoping in him. Amen. Now, we all need to be there. Yes. And uh, perhaps you need to have a, an if-not conversation with God. If you don't come through how I've asked you to come through, I will still trust you. That's total submission to him. So David was asking for this, this deliverance, but also asking for direction. Verse number three, oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Oh, send, oh, dispatch, dispatch thy light and thy truth. God has all authority. He can give us what he needs. Let them lead me, let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacle. So what's David asking for? He's asking for direction. Lord, I'm out here. I'm beyond Jordan. I'm in the land of the, the Hermonites. I, I am, I'm struggling out here. I'm in the desert. I need water. I need your presence. I want you. I'm away from your presence in the, the tabernacle. I want you to lead me back. I want you to help me back. Make the way clear. And so he asked for this light. He asked for illumination. Do you ever need illumination? Yeah. I just need clarity. I need clarity. A lot of us wear, wear glasses, and these are important because, you know, without them, the things aren't clear. But even uh, with glasses, you still need light to read and be able to see. We have these, all these different devices that probably aren't helping our, our eyesight a whole lot. But um, we need light. And when I turn on the lights, I need to be able to see. We need illumination, though more than on a page. We need illumination in our hearts. We need the Lord to open up the understanding of our minds. And isn't that what David prayed? 
Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. You need God's illumination when you're reading tomorrow morning. Lord, show me your truth. I'm not looking for a new truth. Your truth is already forever settled in heaven. But I need illumination. I need my spiritual senses quickened. I need my spiritual eyes uh, to be improved. I need LASIK, if you will. I, I, need, I need illumination. I need to be able to see what you have for me. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Let's say that together. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. A light. A lamp that guides my, shows me the next step. A, a light that, that gives, me a, 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 gives me a direction down the path to see what's coming up. And, and he says, thy word, thy word is this light. Thy word is this light. And the entrance of thy words giveth light. It gives illumination. That's the, kind of the theme verse for the, the Grenada Bible Project. The entrance of thy word gives light. It gives under, uh, understanding to the simple. So David's asking for this light, this illumination. You and I ought to be asking for that as well. It's what leads us. It's what guides us along. But notice he also asks for this matter of truth, the revelation of God himself. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ was the Word incarnate, the Word in flesh. The word, John 17, 17, thy word is truth. Over and over throughout the Psalms, you, you have David asking for the truth and speaking about the truth and lifting it up. It is God himself, the revelation of God himself. Lord, I need you. I need to understand what really is. We live in a day where truth is denied, where truth has been made up. It is, it is so mind-boggling to see how that, that what has been fact well, since the beginning of time, is now debated and is clearer in front of all of our eyes, but we need God's truth. We need, we need him himself to bring, bring this clarity and lead us. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 32 and verse number four, it says, he is the rock. It's in caps. He is the rock. His work is perfect. And it is. His work is perfect without flaw, without error. His work is perfect. For all of his ways are judgment, a God of truth. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. And think about that. You need God, and I need God in my life. I need God in my daily life, without which I have no direction. There is, there's, an unfulfilled living without God. There's purposelessness without God. And friends, don't think just because you are a believer in Jesus Christ that you can go on days, weeks, months without coming into contact, that interaction with God, that personal relationship with God, and find purpose. The reality is you will not have purpose. You will not have hope. You will, you will flounder without God himself showing up in your life, the truth showing up in your life, that reality. You can lean to your own understandings and to your own truths and go back and forth and side to side without God showing up in your life and revealing himself, his light and truth. There is no direction. David wanted this direction from God himself so that he could be led into the presence of God. We ask for this direction not to make ourselves something special, to be able to tell others, but because I myself need to be brought to the next step on my spiritual journey. Wouldn't you agree with that? 
It, it will be to us if we start seeking the direction of God just so we can help our family. Dads, listen, listen to me on this. Woe be to us if the only reason we get into the word is to tell our children something. We need it. And from our satisfaction, from our getting it, from our growth in the Lord, we can deliver out of the overflow. And the same, ladies, don't, uh, you're not exempt either. Don't, don't just ask for directions so you can tell your husband something or whatever. Uh, the reality is we all, we all need this and we need it to be for us. And then we minister to others. God gives us influence into the lives of other people. So David's saying, Lord, I want to be brought to your holy hill. Send out your light and your truth. I want to be brought to your holy hill. When I was in Jerusalem, and uh, it, it just seems so uh, surreal to have, have been there and to realize how much just mayhem is still going on there. And we ought to continue to pray for Israel and Jerusalem. But I, I was in the city of David, and uh, the city of David is an excavation site. They've uncovered David's palace. And frankly, until I was there, I didn't, um, I didn't fully understand uh, what the old city was, or at least didn't have a grasp of it. So I want to I just take a moment, because this, has, this pertains to what David's praying for. He's praying. He's away from the Jerusalem. Jerusalem expanded over the years. Jerusalem in 63 AD, before it was uh, destroyed, uh, in 70 was much, much larger than what David was referring to here. So in the city of David, you have the, the royal residence, the, the, the palace that overlooks, it's up on a hillside, overlooks. You have um, the different quarters, uh, and, and, and it's a small city. With, you know, the Gihon Spring is in there and, and so on. But uh, the old city, you see the, the red marking over there. That, this whole part of Jerusalem is 63 AD, right before destruction. So you have the Temple Mount that was built by, by Herod there uh, on this site that, that Solomon had built on. But when David's talking, the Temple Mount wasn't built on like that. It was a dream of David's. Remember, he, he wanted to build the temple, but it wasn't built on. So when you're standing at David's palace, the Temple Mount is still way up the hillside. And uh, it's quite impressive. When you're at the bottom of David's city, it is just this sweeping uh, hill that goes all the way up to the Temple Mount and uh, it still is today. I got to preach on the street at the, uh, at the bottom of, uh, of David's old city, and we preached from John 7, 37, where Jesus said, if you come, uh, come uh, drink of me, anyone that thirsts, and out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, where he had, he had preached that at the Pool of Siloam and along that uh, pilgrimage journey. So uh, you see down at the bottom uh, of David's city, uh, on the left-hand side, you actually see the Pool of Siloam, the road, the pilgrimage road that leads all the way up to the temple, and uh, so, so much happened there, but all that was built after this. I mean, that wasn't there. The pool of Siloam wasn't there. Uh, there would have been uh, some springs there and so on, but uh, it wasn't there as it was in 63 AD. Uh, David's uh, area of Jerusalem was so much smaller, and he's asking God to bring him into this place. The tabernacle would have been located in the city of David. The tent that he pitched, 2 Samuel chapter 6, tells us about him in, um, planting a tent, a tabernacle for 
uh, for worship and for the Ark of the Covenant. Remember when he brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem? And uh, it would have been pit, um, put inside of a tent that David pitched for it, the tabernacle there. This would have been more a, a replica of the tabernacle that happened in the desert as the children of Israel would go place to place and set it up. I think I have one more um, info picture about the tabernacle so that you can see that. So what we're talking about, the, the holies of holies would have been back, the holy place, the, the, the brazen uh, laver, the altar, and et cetera, all these things all these things, these elements that, that God had commanded them to build. So David's asking, Lord, I want to be led back to the place where your presence dwells. It's mind-boggling to think that God would put his presence inside of a tent or inside of the uh, building like the temple that Solomon built. It would have been a grand edifice. Herod's temple, the, the, the uh, third temple or the, the second temple would have been amazing. But for God to put himself in anything made with hands, that's, that's just unbelievable. And the fact is, the Bible tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer here today, you have the Holy Spirit. You have God's presence dwelling within you. And friend, David had to pray that he'd be brought back to that place of presence, though he could always pray to the Lord. You and I don't have to ask to be brought back into that presence. We are with the Lord. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You talk about the glories of being a New Testament believer. We are privileged. We should not be hopeless. Now, there's something special about gathering in this place together as temples of the Holy Spirit together and the, and the agreement of the Holy Spirit together in song, around the word of God. God has promised to bless these gatherings. It's his body, and he intends us for us to be together. But David's praying, Lord, I just want to go back there. I want to be in the place where your people are and your presence is, and I want to be able to worship. And he's asking the Lord to guide him back there to Mount Zion, to this place where he could worship the Lord and his presence. And so he's exiled, and he's longing to be back in the presence of God, with the people of God. Could I encourage you? There's an application for us there, just a, a side application that is important. Could I just really encourage you to make much about the presence of God and living in the presence of God in your own life, walking in the presence of God, daily experiencing God, but also not forsaking, not becoming a hermit Christian, that says, well, I can just do life on my own. God did not intend that. He wants us to take responsibility for our own walk with him, but he wants us to be together. David longed to be in the place. You remember in, in the early part of chapter number 42, he says, I just want to be up with them that, that kept holiday, holy day, or holiday, as we would say it, but those feast days. I want to be there uh, in the place where they're, they're worshiping you and, and together with you. Friends, we need, we need the gathering of the believers. And what I find is many times believers will forsake that, the Bible tells us not to, but will forsake that because they're burdened down and because they're anxious. That's actually when you need it. We always need it because God told us to, but we, we need the assembly of the saints, yes, even in those anxious moments. I have many times come to church and had, had a, a troubled heart or a, a struggling heart, and it was you that ministered. You say, that doesn't sound like a pastor. Yeah, pastors have troubled hearts too. Pastors get under it too, but it's something about the assembly of the saints together. And God just encouraging us with one another's presence. And we ought to always remember that. God wants to use you. Not, he doesn't bring you here just for you. He brings you here for each other. 
You're going to encourage somebody even today. And so David's saying, hey, Lord, I want you to lead me back. I want you to direct me. Now, this matter of direction, sometimes we're, we treat God like he's a GPS or we want him to be like a GPS. We want to put in the directions. We want to put him in where, where we want to go. We want to have the authority to pause the route. We want to have the authority to reroute. David's asking, God, would you be my, my direction? Would you be my guide? I want to follow you, and I want to follow you back to that holy hill. I want to follow you back into that presence. And friends, when we choose to submit to God, we'll get there. We'll get there. We go our own way and meander, pause it. I don't think, I don't think that thing knows what it's doing. Now, Siri may not know what it's doing. I remember we used to have this Garmin. Remember um, being on our honeymoon? Well, it might have not been quite the honeymoon. It might have been a year after. I don't think we had it. I think we used MapQuest for our honeymoon. <laughs> Print it out. How many remember MapQuest? You couldn't argue with that thing. It was just, it was inanimate. But I think a year after we were in, uh, we were in West Virginia with a Garmin. And that thing, boy, it wound us up in a cornfield and... God knows. God knows. And uh, may we not treat the Lord in a way like, hey, you don't know what you're doing. No, Lord, I need your direction. I need you to lead me back. I need you to lead me to that place where your presence is. And he's always leading us in there. And friends, when you get into the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. Whether that's the presence of God sensed in this room, together in a conversation and prayer, or in your private study with, um, with your word, with the Bible. There's fullness of joy in the presence of God. Sometimes people hold on to God like a good luck charm. They want to lean on him when they're in trouble. They want to be able to rub him and want to be able to talk to him. But that's not how David was. Lord, I need you to lead me back. I need your direction. That's a trusting heart. That's a hopeful heart. And uh, sometimes we remain hopeless because we don't, we don't know God that way. We don't seek God that way. Did you notice here in verse number four, before we move on, did you notice there at the end, what's the last four words there? Oh God, my God. He also says earlier on in the verse, unto God, my exceeding joy. Realize that, that David again is demonstrating the reality that I have a personal relationship with God. A personal, ongoing, day-by-day -day relationship. Why is it so important for us to be in his word and heeding his direction? Because without it, we have no direction. We will be hopeless. Without his direction, we will flounder. And so it's so important that we realize that all of this is had inside the context of a personal relationship with God. And yes, that does bring exceeding joy. And we're grateful for that. But lastly, I want us to notice as we come to the third refrain, the third refrain, Again, he asks questions. Why am I cast down? Why am I disquieted? Why, Lord, why, are the, why does this continue on? And it's this refrain. He keeps coming back. What in the world's going on with my emotions? Why am I here? Why can't I just break free from this? Why can't I get beyond this? He says, why? It's questions. People have questions. I was looking and studying 
about some of just kind of what's going on in our country, and I referenced this a little bit about just the hopelessness, but one of the things that is, we've really watched since COVID and that the time of the pandemic is this matter of the rise of, of mental illness. And you can, you can say, well, we just dismiss that. Let's just get our, our minds straight. But the reality is, there is there's a lot of struggling in the mind. And isn't it any wonder if, if, if Satan can keep us struggling in the mind, he can control us and uh, how we need to be on guard against these things. But I, I noticed that, that at the top of the list for parents in this generation, for parents, they express, above other concerns, they express worry about their children and their, their mental well-being. They're, they're concerned about their anxiety and their and their worry, and their, and, and their mental well-being. They're, they're concerned about this. Well, that's interesting that a lot of parents are. They, that, that is risen. That is something that is a reality in our, in our time. I found that seniors above 55 that are dependent on others are more likely to be worried uh, about the future than those that are independent, still have their driver's license, still have their, their own independence, etc. They're worried about the future. So those that are coming to the uh, health crises in their life and they're facing chronic pain, they're worried about the, about the future, that this uncertainty about what's going on. I also found that young adults, even more so than teenagers, are uncertain about the future. There's a rise in young adults being uncertain uh, about the future. And, and it's just interesting how this, this matter of uncertainty, unsettledness, this, this worry that has creeped up in our, in our generation. One of the statistics as a pastor that I, I found interesting and really it causes me to say I want to hope in God all the more, is that since the pandemic or from 2015 till the present, there has been a, a rise in, in pastors feeling uh, at, at high risk for burnout, just struggling under it. And it's gone from 11% to 40% to say I am always on the edge. I'm at high risk for burnout. And uh, the, the author of the article, the, the, um, the organization, uh, I believe this was Lifeway, um, that put it, no, it was still Barna, that put it out, said this is a five-alarm fire. This is a, this is a problem. So what I, the reason I include that here today is just to say this. No one is exempt from the struggles that, that were going on. No one's exempt from the questions. No one's exempt from what David is saying. Why are you cast down? Why? And that struggle that just keeps on going on. But I want us to realize David comes back to this refrain again. Though he asks the questions, he still says hope in God. He still preaches hope in God. And I want us to realize that David was trusting in God for the duration. He was coming back to this common refrain and saying, I'm going to keep hoping in God. David, thou man of God, thou man after God's own heart, you hope in God. Yes, there's still questions. Yes, there's still problems. And yes, there's emotional issues. But you hope in God. And he repeats it again a third time. Hope in God. Before he says, hope thou in God. Now he's preaching not just to himself, but to everyone. Hope in God. Hope in God. Have all the problems gone away? Nope. Still deceitful and unjust people. Had deliverance come? Nope. He's still praying for it. Were all the questions answered? Nope. In fact, he says that the questions constantly come. He's still asking himself over and over as a tense of the, of the verbs, that I, where, why am I cast down? Why do I continually stay here? 
And his answer is hope in God. Wait in him. Trust in him. Last week I said that trust and hope were intertwined together. Uh, Brother Andy did some study for, for me uh, about this, this matter of hope and how it is translated even throughout the, throughout the, uh, the Old Testament. I found that, that it is 140 times the same original word that is used for hope is also translated trust. So that's, that's a powerful thing. When you're reading through the Bible and, and David says, I will yet trust in him. I'll still trust in him. I'm going to trust in him regardless of anything. My, my mind goes to Habakkuk, the third chapter towards the end, and it, how it says that though the fig tree stops bearing fruit and the, the mountains come down and, and all the, the fields stop and, and the cattle don't give, um, uh, give birth anymore, I'm going to still trust in you and I'm going to still rejoice in you. What is that? Hoping in the Lord. Hoping in him. We'll sing the song tonight, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. What do we need, friends, in the midst of all the emotional chaos and the worries, the struggles, and anxiety, to preach to ourselves hope in God. Hope in God. And it will be a choice. I read this week in the Bible reading, offer the sacrifices of righteousness. Well, what is that? Do what God says to do. Obey. Offer. Do what he's asked. Give back to him and put your trust in the Lord. What was God asking for? Obedience and trust. Intertwined with hope. Why do we get hopeless? Because we fail to take God at his word. We fail to do what he's asked us to do. We fail to choose to hope in him. Psalm 62, 8. Trust in the Lord at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Think on that. Psalm 118, it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in men. How many would say amen? amen? That's not downplaying man. It's just God alone is trustworthy. He alone is a person we can put hope in. And what I find here is David says, I want to hope in the Lord. I, I, I want you to hope in the Lord. This is my message. But he says, I will yet praise him. I will yet praise him over and over. I'm going to praise him. Do you know what I find about this matter of praise? That Praise indicates a trusting heart. It's hard to praise God when I'm doubting him. Do you agree with me? It's hard to sing to him when I don't really believe what I'm singing. Ongoing praise indicates continuing hope. And ongoing praise doesn't mean that all the answers are answered and all the problems are gone away. Sometimes, sometimes, I'm still going through the problem. I remember a pastor friend of mine, um, Brother Mark Monty. I don't know that the most of you know him. He pastors over in Indianapolis, but he shared the story um, of his wife um, miscarrying, and they found out on a, on a Saturday, Friday or Saturday, that uh, the baby had, had died. And they scheduled the, uh, scheduled the operation uh, to help her with this, but it wasn't going to happen until, until the first of the week. And he said it, he marveled at the strength and the, the resilience of his wife. And she's always sung in the choir, and, and he didn't tell her he had to, but she had to. But that Sunday, she was still praising the congregation, or praising the Lord in the congregation of the saints, though she was awaiting her dead baby having to be taken out. 
And that gives a picture, just a little picture. I'm not saying that that's, that's what everyone has to do. I'm not saying that. It just gives an illustration of, of trusting the Lord even when you're still going through the trial. Even when there's still a lack of finances. Even when there's still an ongoing problem in your family. Even when there's still the sense of loss. Trusting the Lord and hoping in Him even in the midst of that. That's what David is, is, is going after. You're the health. You're my Savior God. You're the health of my countenance. My whole person is, is resting on you. You're my God. You're my Elohim. You're the one that's in control of all things. You're the one that is the ruler. You're the one that if I can hope in, if I will place my hope in you, you will take care of it all. You will, you will uh, uh, superintend over these details. Hope can only be experienced within the context of this personal relationship with God. Notice again, verse number five, the last three words. And my God. And my God. Not and my dad's God. Not the pastor's God, deacon's God, or that other spiritual saint that I know, but my God. If you don't have that type of personal relationship with the Lord, I, I encourage you, seek after that. Do you know what? God promises you that he will be found. He'll be found He'll honor that. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. A young man came to me this, this past week and he just told me that he was struggling with discouragement and uh, couldn't really figure out where it was coming from. I asked him some questions just about life, his relationship with the Lord. And, and uh, even, even sometimes, you know what? We get in the middle of winter and there's no sunshine. We get blue because we don't have a whole lot of vitamin D in our system. And we need some sun. And uh, so I asked him about some of his diet and different things. I'm no doctor. I'm not trying to, but I just was asking him, are you eating okay? Are you sleeping okay? Et cetera. And uh, then it's just like a lightning bolt came, uh, came and, and uh, I, I, I said, I'm going to give you an assignment. Tonight before you go to bed, I want you to go and write down 20 things you can thank God for. Later on that night, I got a text from him, and uh, he said, I just wrote down 20 things that I'm thankful for. And as I did, I stopped writing down what I'm thankful for, that what God did for me, and took me out of the equation and started thanking God for who he is. And I believe he used that to take my attention off myself and centered on him. Because he is the one that can work in us. Thank you for encouraging me to do that. And later on, he says, I'm still struggling, but I am trusting in the Lord. What is that? Trusting God for the duration. For the duration. And you and I, we might still be going through the, the problems and still struggling, but it is our trust in the Lord that will make all the difference. It's our hope being fixed in him that will make all the difference in the world. Why? Setting our hope, setting our expectation in God alone is really the difference between a disquieted or a delighted soul. And we have the, that power. God is the one who works in us, but we have the power of choice. He says, hope in God. David preaches this message over and over, and we have to make that choice. This morning before we leave this place, I'm going to give you a little bit of homework. I would give you the same homework that I gave, I gave him. It's good for all of us to do. You do that on your own time. 
And I encourage you to think about that. If you're really struggling, write down. Just sit down and thank God. Get your eyes off yourself and on him. God will do wonders to that. But, the, uh, but Brother Frank right now and uh, some other guys are going to help me out. They're going to put something in your hand. Right now, if you come to the front and start and go, go to the back, they're going to put into your hand just a little card that we'll just use as uh, you can start. Thanks, guys as a way of maybe helping you work through some of what you're, you're facing or what you will face or help somebody else with it. But this matter of, of hoping in the Lord really is, is a choice that we have to make. And on this card, you can see it up on the screen here, on this card, I'll explain it. This is the problem I'm facing. David said, I have enemies, I have an ungodly nation, I have unjust men, I have deceitful folks, I have my own tears that are causing me to say, you know, where's your God now? So you have all these issues. So what is, what is in your life the problem that's just kind of top of mind? The problem that you're facing that gets you down, you struggle emotionally, you just really wrestle with it. It's your problem. It's not somebody else's problem. It's not your husband's problem. It's your problem. You really struggle there. Number two, how, how do you feel emotionally about that? What is it doing? Are you angry? Are you anxious? Are you worried? Are you uncertain? And I'd encourage you to write that down. This may be something that you do a little bit later on. This might take a little bit of time, but I wanted to give it to you this morning. And then I asked the question, how would hoping in God, as we've learned, trusting in him, how would hoping in God change you and affect this situation? How would it change your outlook on life? How would it affect you? What difference would it make in God? Because sometimes I think we, can, we, can, we know if we put it in God's hand that we'd be more peaceful, that we'd be more at rest. We'd be pl more pleasant to be around, Right? So sometimes we know what would happen if we trust in the Lord, but it's just that struggle to make that choice. I'm going to trust in the Lord. So I give this to you as a little bit of a, a, a project and maybe to work through some of those things. Maybe you say, Pastor, I'm really doing well. I'm, my trust is in the Lord. I'm, I'm joyful. Praise the Lord. You need to help someone else. You need to encourage somebody else with it. Maybe you're fa a family member. You need to be ready to encourage them. You also, most of the times, we are either in a problem, coming out of a problem, or about ready to go into a problem. So perhaps today's message is preparing you for something you're going to face in two weeks from now. So let's take it some time to pray, and I'd even take, I'll take that card this morning and in a moment, you know, come to the altar if the Lord works in your heart that way. And the Lord, here's, here's the problem I'm facing. This is how I feel. But if I had hope in you, I know it would make a difference in this way, and Today, as best as I know how, and by your Holy Spirit, I want to hope in you. I want to put my trust in you. I want to get my eyes off of myself and onto you. Would you stand with me in prayer this morning? Let's, do, let's take some time just to respond to the Lord. Father, this morning, we don't want to just be hearers of the word, but we also want to be doers. I also realize, Lord, some of these, some of these matters take meditation and thinking, processing. So I pray that you would help you your people, us as, as, your, as your flock, um, to do with your word as we ought to, not let it fall by the wayside, but to really take it to heart and 
than as David did to preach this message to himself to hope in you. And I pray that you would strengthen your people. Oh God, would you strengthen us. Help us not to flounder, help us not to waffle, but in this day to be strong in faith in you and strong in our hope in you. And we love you for this. We're thankful that you are so tender to give us passages of scripture like this. And we pray this in Jesus' name. With your heads bowed, how many say, Pastor, God is speaking specifically to my heart. He's speaking specifically to my heart. And I do need to make some adjustments. I do need to make that same choice David did to hope in God. I see my problem. I see the emotions it's causing in my life. And I do need to make that choice to hope in God. You say it with an upraised hand. That's, that is my testimony. There are some specific areas I need to hope in God. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you to find a place to pray this morning. Anyone can pray, even if you didn't raise your hand. I just encourage you to find a place. The altar is open. Let's, let's pray and talk to the Lord before we leave. I encourage you to come now. Father, we thank you for being a God who can be trusted, who is unchanging. You've never changed once. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're God Almighty. You're the creator of this universe. You are the shepherd of our soul. You are our savior. You are our companion. You are our confidence. You are our refuge. You are our strength in times of trouble. Lord, you are the one who calmed the sea. You're the one who raised Lazarus. You're the one who you yourself uh, said it is finished on the cross, and then you went to the grave and you rose again. And uh, Lord, I, I thank you that you are the God that keeps promises. Uh, Lord, you just never failed. And it's in you that we must hope and we must place our trust. And so I pray that you would help 
this congregation, uh, that we would do that, and then we'd also help others to do the same. And we give you praise for being such a God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.